Welcome to Breaking Doctrine, Foxhole Fundamentals, a U.S. Army Combined Arms Center podcast. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the official position of the United States Army, the U.S. Army Training and Doctrine Command, or the Combined Arms Center. Welcome to Breaking Doctrine's Foxhole Fundamentals, a U.S. Army Combined Arms Center podcast series that dials in on some of the basic tenets, principles, and overall ideas in Army doctrine. Hello, I'm Lieutenant Colonel Nikki Dean, and today I'm talking with Lieutenant Colonel Reed Bergrabe, Tactics Division Chief for the Combined Arms Doctrine Directorate and a former instructor over at the U.S. Command and General Staff College here at Fort Leavenworth. Reed, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Our topic today is a difficult one to pin down for a lot of units. So some background information. Last weekend, I had the chance to dial into a lessons learned session with 2nd of the 107th Cavalry Squadron following their JRTC rotation. And I can't thank them enough for their honesty with which they discuss some of their experiences as a National Guard Cavalry organization conducting recon and security operations. One of their discussions really piqued my interest. It's about answering information requirements and answering information requirements to drive effective decisions. We are an army that loves to know information, and knowing information doesn't automatically equate to effective decision-making and successful operations. And second of the 107th's JRTC rotation isn't unique in seeking to balance that with timely decisions and mission execution. So today we're going to kind of lay a foundation for what I hope is going to be a later discussion about building decision support tools. But first, I think it's absolutely critical that we lay just a little bit of foundation work for what information requirements are, which is why I ambushed my cohort, Reed, a fellow doctrine writer and cavalry officer in the hallowed halls of CAD, to talk about me today about commander's critical information requirements. So I think we need to start with doctrine, partly because we're both doctrine authors and this is a doctrine podcast but also because Doctrine provides the foundation for how we talk about CCIR. So I'm going to start with the most basic question up front, and what is CCIR? Yeah, so let me grab the book here. Um, so yeah, so you keep hearing going back and forth. CCIR is a much easier way of saying Commander's Critical Information Requirements, which is a pretty big mouthful. And so I think I'll be sticking the acronym for the rest of the episode because it's just easier to say. Um, the official definition is found in the Joint Pub 3.0 and says... An information requirement identified by the commander as being critical to facilitating timely decision-making. So what does that really mean for, for normal people? It means that something that commander needs to make a decision. It is time-sensitive and will depend on the situation on, on, what, on what they are. CCR helps us focus our intel information collection efforts and to aid the commander in decision-making. While everyone in the military needs to make decisions, there are some decisions that, because of the risk involved, or the commitment of resources that only a commander can make. These are decisions that CCR need to help with making those decisions. CCR helps us focus also the staff and support units, making sure the right information gets to the commander because it's easy to get information overload. And that way the commander can make the informed decision. We all know it's easy to make decisions when you're warm, dry, well-rested and stated. But it's much harder when someone's cold, wet, tired, hungry, and you have to put soldiers in harm's way. So by thinking about these things, these commander-level decisions before beginning an operation, allows some proper thought to be done about it, and prevents subordinates from making unnecessary and potentially unwise decisions. Some decisions only require information on the enemy. You know, when is the enemy going to attack? You know, some information only requires information on friendly forces. Hey, when is 1st Brigade's effect, combat effectiveness going to be below 75%? But some decisions will require both. 
when will the enemy be attacking the EA East? And will the attack aviation battalion be able to fly in this weather? So there's a variety of degrees of information the commander can need. So you talked a little bit about the two aspects of it, which are the components of, of CCIR. So I want to talk about a little bit to kind of break it out for the audience of what the components are, and more importantly, why the components are the way they are and what they do for CCIR. Can you, can you give a little insight? Yep. Going, again, going back to the doctrine books, there's, CCIR is broken down in two different distinct categories. The first one is what's called Priority Intelligence Requirements, or PIR, and that's found in Joint Pub 2-0, and they define it as an intelligence requirement that the commander and staff need to understand the threat and other aspects of the operational environment. The other component is it was called Friendly Force Information Requirements, or FFIR, which can be found in Joint Pub 3.0, and 3.0 defines it as information the commander and staff need to understand the status of friendly force and supporting capabilities. Notice that one says friendly forces, and the commander needs to know a lot about friendly forces, but this is only information tied to making a decision. That's the only stuff that's tied, that's classified as FFIR. Um, also notice a key distinction for CCIR. Here in both definitions for PIR and FFIR, they both increase understanding so that commander can make a decision. The difference though between them is that PIR is focused on enemy and environment, and FFIR is things the commander needs to know about their own unit of friendly forces. That's the key distinction. So that's really great. You answered the next question that I had, which was, why do we even need this stuff? And what does it do for our operations process? So it always seems to me like, as we go up and down in echelon over battalion to division even higher, we're generating a lot of information requirements, and it really gets increasingly complex. And I think a lot of staffs feel that way. So the staff as a whole, like, the plans contributes into that operations process. Generally, who on the staff is responsible for for generating information, and then who determines what makes that cut to get into the CCIR? Well, again, let me go back real quick. I think I, I don't think I'm, I think I missed what you said a minute ago. I think there is two reasons for CCIR, and so those two reasons are uh, again both are making decisions. But one time, the first one is making a decision that's helping focus planning. So that's going to be an example. Hey, is the object the bridge on Objective Orange is that passable by tanks? And that's going to help you decide your course of action. You know, as enemy forces reach the phase line X that we're defending, knowing that information is going to develop your COA, uh, your, your course of action. Um, and once a core of action, course of action is usually picked, that's usually when we stop uh, looking for this type of CCIR. Uh, the other, type, other reason we do CCIR is, is, again, make a decision. And that'd be collected any time during the operation. But there's two distinctions. I think a lot of people forget about that. Um, when you send initial assets out, they're doing one of two things, trying to get things to help you create your COA, or they're trying to help confirm or deny it and make a decision. And I think that's a, that's a big distinction. We need to clear that up uh, for the force there. Uh, but I think to your original question that you're asking about how the staff does it, um, of course, bottom line, everybody on the staff is responsible for creating CCR. Um, right now, it's usually the intelligence shop that's usually one that does the information collection matrix, and they say who's responsible for collecting what CCIR it's the operations shop that develops the decision-making products, the decision support matrix, and the decision support template that say and drive what CCR they need to make a decision. So like most things in the Army, we backwards plan. So if a commander needs to make a decision, it's recorded on the DSM or DST. Now, if you don't know what decisions go on there or what, again, we talked about earlier, it's the commitment of resources or a level of risk that only a commander can make. And so uh, Brigadier General Tom Felty, who's the current Armor Commandant, a couple years ago, wrote an article for Armour Magazine. He identified five of the most common decisions a commander makes 
and show someone in his article. And we can put that in our show notes uh, as we go do this. Um, those five decisions are um, commitment of the reserve, change of task organization, change of a boundary, uh, decision to transition phases, or to execute a branch or SQL. So any, any of those five usually easily quickly follow the commander. I mean, I mean, always on DSM, the first one we always have is commitment to the reserve. That's the commander's decision. We know that, and that's, that's an easy one. If you don't know what to put on there, that's the first one to put on. Um, but once the decision is identified, the staff works to develop the conditions that will occur to require the commander to make that decision. And this is where the difference between PIR and FIFR really come in handy. Uh, when we put in our decision support matrix of decisions, it's usually captured in what we call an if-then or an if-and-then format. For example, if 10 T-90 tanks cross phase line black as PIR in enemy action, and the battalion loses 12 tanks, hey, that's friendly information, FFIR, then I'll commit the reserve. That's the decision. And so if this, then that, I'll make this decision. Um, and divide, by dividing those conditions up by PIR and FFIR, helps us determine who's responsible for collecting that information. So PIR says collected by two shop using information collection activities. FFIR is usually done by the rest of the staff as appropriate, depending on what you're looking for. Um, and depending on the FFIR, a staff section or subordinate unit can be made responsible for monitoring and reporting this information. But realize that any staff section or subordinate unit, if they happen to observe that CCR happening, can report that to unit headquarters or the commander to take action. Because routinely, you'll see it out there as a young alert soldier manning a radio who catches the first report of a CCR event happening unless the rest of the operations are know what's happening. That's where the magic lies in the U.S. Army. So this is going to be one of those really nebulous questions that I think I want to talk about. And you and I were discussing it earlier before we started recording. But uh, I, I, you have a rare talent because you have experience as a writer and experience as a planner, but also experience as a teacher. Um, and I want your insight on this because there's, there's the right balance between broadness and specificity and the question of yes, no answers for CCIR and, and what does it mean to be timely information? Um, I kind of want to dig into that, especially the idea of broadness versus specificity, because that's hard. Yeah, and that's, again, that's why I put the burden on the staff to figure that out. We don't, we're not putting that individual soldiers or what's going on. So it's easy to say, give a broad question. Hey, I want to know where the enemy reserve is. That's, that's an easy question to ask, but it's a very hard one to answer. Um, so why, that's a great question. Is there some, is something the commander wants to know? It's hard for the staff to commit assets and say, hey, I need you to find something. So a better question would be like, hey, when is the 634th guard going to cross phase line red? That's a better question. But really, the best question is, hey, when will 10 T-90s cross phase line red? Because the staff has done the analysis. The T-90s are in the reserve. There's no other T-90s out there. Ten of them means the company worth formation going across. That's the commitment of the reserve going across. And phase line red is enough space and time that when I commit the reserve, it's going on there. So it's, it's that staff doing that work now ahead of time, again, when they have time, so they can make an easy decision when something happens very quickly. And so it's, it's creating space and ability to make things going on. So the more specific you can get, and it's, it's easier to answer, um, and the more broader you get, it's harder to answer, which also means it's more likely not to get answered because, again, people don't know what they're looking for, they don't know what they're collecting on, and it's going to be just hard to find that information. And so that means you got to commit also more resources to figure out because you don't know what you're looking for, and you just can't make it's just hard. Um, so instead of saying just just make it simple, instead of saying a company of tanks, just say, hey, say the exact number of what we're looking for. If it's seven, eight, nine, if you can say a type, anything you do to make it more specific, or any soldier in the battlefield can identify it, that's where you want that level to be. Do you think that also applies to to the idea of the simple yes no question approach about both PIR and FFIR? 
Yeah, the yes-no approach is an interesting one, too. I mean, commanders have simple questions. Hey, is that bridge passable? Yes, no. That's all he wants to know, or he or she wants to know. Um, again, what does that mean for the person collecting the information? What does it mean uh, for the rest of the staff? So that's, and this is where the staff makes their money. This is what the staff does. Like, hey, you know, what is the proper military load-bearing classification for that bridge? You know, the current tanks that we have, what is their current weight? Okay, is that support one tank at a time? Does support tanks spread out 100 meters apart? Um, hey, is there an enemy in the area? Are they overwatching the bridge? There's all sorts of questions to answer, and that's what the staff had to figure out. So the commander is saying, hey, is that bridge passable by tanks? Yeah, it, it sounds easy, but there's a lot more thought that has to go into it, and that's the staff's responsibility and what they need to do to help take the, the boss's concept or, or broad idea, make it something that's actionable and, and be done by the rest of the team. Well, and I think that's really important because, like I said, there is, there's a lot of information requirements out there, and those don't necessarily tie to CCIR directly, but they do, to a certain extent, inform whether or not certain, certain PIR are going to be built the way that they are or are going to be developed the way that they are for, for later collection. There's one more thing that I, I really kind of want to bug you about is the idea of, of timeliness of, CIR, of CCIR. Sorry. Um, I think that's important partly because of the fact knowing when does this stuff apply, when doesn't it apply, and when phases are going to be important. Well, that's one of the things we talked about earlier where it, this is a timely decision the commander's going to make. If the commander can't make the decision in time, because uh, that's great, you collect information, you, you receive it, you got to process it, then you got to commit resources, and the resources can't get there in time, it doesn't do you any good. So there's eventually a point where uh, if you're collecting to commit the reserve, the reserve can't there quick enough to do anything. Because if you get the reserve too early, you show your hand. If it gets there too late, it's not being effective. And so there's a small window when the reserve can be very effective. And so as you collect information, um, there's a fun acronym out there. It's called LTIOV, Last Time Information is of Value. Um, the LTIOV of something will help the staff understand, hey, I don't need to send an at a resource or capability versus this information requirement anymore. I can then shift to something else. There's always stuff to know. The commander's always thinking about things. And if you're looking at, uh, there's a couple different techniques of looking at how to break information or your DSM, DST, that you can take it where, um, it's sort of constant, it's a living document, it's constantly evolving and rolling. And so uh, decisions in CCR fall off of it, and other ones get activated as you're looking at it. Uh, some people like doing by phases. So in this phase, we see three decisions. Here's really CCR. When we shift phase, here's our new decisions, and sort of working it that way. So it's, it's really what, again, makes what's comfortable for the commander. Because, again, this is the commander's tool, and people got to remember that. That's great The that staff understand and the staff work and the staff loves it. But if the commander doesn't use it, the commander doesn't understand it, the commander doesn't like it, it's not going to get used. And so this is how to make the commander make better decisions, not the staff, the commander. So this is one thing where you and I kind of have a, a bit of a, I have friction with the doctor in the way it's kind of written, um, and that's just my hang-up. But you and I were talking about it before of commander's one person, and the staff also themselves are, are normal people, and um, which you kind of got a threshold of the number of decisions, effective, well-informed decisions you can make. Um, there is a thing in FM60 that recommends no more than 10 CCIR. To put a recommendation to me always seems kind of risky because you, you mentioned it before. The information that is required to make a decision is impacted always by how well somebody's been planning and thinking about it. And then also, the decisions of a commander are impacted by how tired, how hungry, how long or how painful the fight's been. That, 
that impacts it. What do you think about all that? So as a starting point, I think 10 CCR is a fine starting point. If, if I know nothing else and I'm a first time 2 and S3 doing something and I need to figure something out, 10 seems like a good part. That's 10 CCR is probably about three to five decisions you're looking at. That, that's probably about right for a commander to collect things on. So I'm sending assets out, I probably don't have that many capabilities anyhow. So as I'm looking at collecting things, that's a mixture again of, of enemy and friendly conditions, that, that probably seems about right. Um, but again, it doesn't, a number doesn't matter. It's what doesn't overwhelm your information collection capability and what doesn't um, allows you to make good decisions. And so 10 is a good starting point. Um, is nine okay? Yes. Is 11 okay? Yes. As long as you're not overwhelming things and doing things. You know, I always remember this great joke about how um, eight minute apps, you know, someone raised up where, um, well, why don't we just do seven minute apps? Well, okay, well, why not six? Why not five? You know, so it's, um, it, it seems like it's probably an arbitrary number that someone picked out just out of a hat. It's a nice round number probably, but, but it's okay because it's, it's a good starting point. But there's no one, it's not a requirement. Uh, OCs and NT staring at me like, excuse me, uh, pushing their glasses, their doctrine glasses in their forehead, you know, on their nose. Excuse me, you have 11 CCR, that's not allowed. No, this is just an idea. So you may have a lot of FFIR. Again, I think a units, not on non-maneuver units, will have majority of nothing but FFIR. You know, if I'm an MP brigade, I don't care where the enemy is going to attack at. What I care about is, is my DHA need to move or not? How many prisoners I'm going to accept or not? You know, has the offense succeed or not? Did the defense succeed or not? So I'm watching friendly things. So a lot of forces not maneuvering or in the close area, uh, majority, they, they also lack the information capability, information collection capabilities. They don't have things that can go out there and find things on the bad guy. They need to be watching what friendly forces are doing. So that FFIR is more important to them. And they may have a lot of FFIR just based on the operations going. So that brings up a really great point. Um, we've talked a lot about today what CCIR is. I want to talk about what CCIR isn't. Um, in conversations with friends of mine who are OCs over at the DIRT CTCs, you know, our peers over at MCTP, and also with friends that I have over in First Army who run like the XCTC programs for, for mobilization of our, our guard and reserve brethren, um, there appears to be this common discussion that underpins a lot of stuff, which is this abundance of information not tied to decision making. And there are these these things, you know, serious incident reports and wake-up criteria and all that that goes into it. What what does doctrine say about that right now? Yeah, I think when people hear CCR, critical commander's information requirements, hey, the commander needs to know this, therefore it's CCR. That's not the case. If it's not tied to making a decision, it's not CCIR. So yeah, so there's a lot of uh, knowledge management out there. The boss needs to know a lot of things. And it's not that the boss doesn't need to know these things. Um, but there's not, there's not necessarily CCR. So you look at your knowledge management, uh, take a look and think about that. So again, serious incident reports, hey, those are things that can negatively impact the unit. The, the boss needs to know that. And that's repercussions. There's probably a battle drill. Not a lot of decisions a boss is making when that happens. Um, and there's, there's things they got to execute. Uh, wake up criteria. Hey, if the commander is sleeping, these are things worth waking them up over so they can further command and control. Again, not making a decision, just being present and doing things. So again, not doesn't really meet the criteria of being CCIR, even though it gets lumped into uh, that you see a lot. And now there's always going to be exceptions to this rule, and there's a potential overlap. Hey, wake me up if something happens, yeah, decisions are going to get made. But for the most part, uh, that's not the case. Uh, lastly, the most interesting one is uh, EEFI, uh, Essential Elements of Friendly Information. That's an old, that, for some of us who are a little older in the Army, 
I want to bit to my age on that one. Um, EEFI used to be part of CCIR, and it looks like it kind of fell away from it, but it's, it's always a discussion of do you include it, don't you include it? Well, it almost seems like it's one word now. Hey, I need your CCR, EEFI. You just, bleh. Hey, I need you to do PCCs, PCIs. Your pre-command checks, pre-command inspections. Well, what's the difference? Why, why are these just one word? They're, they're two distinct things. They're two distinct things for a reason. Um, we realize that the enemy's trying to do the same thing to us that we're trying to do to them. They're trying to collect on us and make decisions themselves. So therefore, we want to protect our key systems and capabilities so that the enemy doesn't find them and do things. And so EEFI is a way of sort of identifying that and assigning a priority to things that we don't want the enemy to find out about. And so it may not be a decision the commander has to make, but it is probably a decision the commander makes to protect resources and how to, how to assign protection to it. Um, but yeah, they're both important and they're both at the same level. And there is discussion and debate whether or not to make that back under CCR in the future. And so I'm sure that debate will continue no matter what happens uh, with certain people. All right, so now we're going to get into to some of the good stuff for, especially for some of our new students, new audiences, um, and those who are getting ready to start PME. And first thing I would say is, well, there's a bunch of resources out there to understand CCIR and its components. What are some of the ones that you keep in your back pocket to help folks better understand and better define what CCIR and its components are? So funny you ask that. Um, Doctrine is very good about saying what we need to do, and it tries to be very descriptive, not prescriptive on what you're supposed to do. And so, so by doing that, it sometimes gets very bad at saying how to do it. Um, and I think that's some of the problems we're seeing. So I think right now FM60, there's several mentions, hey, this is where you do your DSM, DST, that decision support matrix, decision support template, the ultimate reason for having CCIR. Um, but it never shows you what it looks like, it never shows what it needs to be, and it never gets talked about. Um, so right now, since this whole discussion, the only reason you're doing CCIR is tied to making a decision, the only place you find those really decision support templates and decision support matrix right now is a thing called the staff reference guide, which has this big long uh, number, because I don't know why the Army does this, but it's ATP 5-0.2-1. 5-0.2-1. Sounds like I'm calling off bingo numbers or something. Um, but the other place that only has a small mention of it in one quick figure is the Intelligence Preparation of the Battlefield Manual, ATP 2-01.3. Both those places show examples, and I think we'll put in our show notes a couple examples we found. Um, the combined uh, CGSC here does a great, um, their Department of Tactics has a couple examples on their page. Uh, I think it's probably behind a firewall, though. Um, but we'll, we'll get a couple examples out there to show people on the links here if they need something. I know there's a future version of FM 5.0 coming out soon. Uh, do you know when that's coming out? So it should be out, which is FM 5.0. It will be Army Planning Operations or Army Planning. Uh, it should be out sometime this winter. We're anticipating about the December timeframe. So please keep an eye out for that. Right. And so the key is, is look at these places, find examples, and, and work them now and, and get it in front of your boss. Um, this is, again, the commander's tool, not the staff's tool. And that's, that's what we got to remember that. Make sure this tool is configured and looks best to where they can make decisions, not where the staff understands and other things. So I think most professional, most soldiers, right, will encounter their first CCIR experience uh, when they have professional military education. Um, and that's when they begin the mental work that is required to think about it, to develop it, to understand it. 
Um, this also includes things like the career course, NCO education, warrant officer staff courses, um, in which, hey, we just also welcomed the brand new class of FY22 to Fort Leavenworth for CGSC. So in closing, what advice do you have for our recent arrivals to all their schoolhouses across the Army? And what should our iron majors over at the Lewis and Clark Center be thinking about and reading over this academic year to to ensure that they are effective at developing and refining CCIR for their commanders in the future? Yeah, there's a lot to think about and a lot to cover for CCIR, and there's a lot of uh, things connected to it, um, between information collection and decision-making. So hopefully we clear some up here today, uh, some of the confusion uh, that we're looking at. I, I think the big things to remember for CCIR is, one, if it isn't tied to a decision of some sort, that is for planning or execution, it should be removed. Um, just don't have them out there floating. Make sure they're very specific and be very easily to understand. Uh, two, I think you got to work this early at home station. Um, if you aren't doing stuff, um, practicing again this from the commander, again the staff thinking about it, um, you're, you're missing opportunities because trying to figure this out in NTC or trying to figure out when you're being deployed is not the time to be doing it. So yeah, so maybe. Maybe cheesy, but do it for like fall cleanup. Do it for a sticks lane. Create a small DSM, have the staff go through the process, and let the commander say, hey, I like this, I don't like this, and change things. And that way you can adjust from a known point when you get to NTC. Uh, don't, don't wait to get there or get, to get deployed. That's, that's too late. Um, lastly, I think just because it has intelligence in the name, this isn't a, a two function. This is a big interaction between the two and the three shop. And I think it's really the, it's the entire staff process. And, and again, it's the staff working to give the commander a good decision. So don't just hear intelligence and then like, oh, the two's got it, and walk away. That, that, that can't be the case. Uh, lastly, I think and for CGSC students, I think the big thing is, hey, practice this during your exercises. Uh, your instructors may not grade you on this. Uh, as you're looking at it, it may not be one of the big things they're looking for. But when you get to your units, this is what your commander is going to be looking for uh, as a field grade. This is one of those fighting products the commander is going to fold up, put in their pockets, and reference when they're out in the field. Um, so that's great, you don't have a great, your commander when you're in the force isn't gonna care what grade you got on your exercise, but they care you can make them a great product and make them make a better decision. And that's where you can make your money at. So I think that's the big thing to remember. Well, I can't thank you again for all of your insight and your time today. Thanks, it, it was great coming out. Um, hopefully I answered all, most of your questions. If not, I think talk to your unit S2 or S3. Um, if they can't help, I think you can reach out here at the Combined General Staff College Department of Tactics. They can probably help. Or even here at the Combined Arms Doctrine Directorate, uh, we can help you out and point you in the right direction on, on things like this. So no problem. We'd also like to thank our listeners for joining us today. Foxhole Fundamentals is a special series of our Breaking Doctrine podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please hit that subscribe button on either Apple or Google Podcasts to get new episodes automatically. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at U.S. Army Doctrine for updates to the Combined Arms Doctrine Directorate's new episodes, as well as Doctrine Digest video shorts, our audiobooks, and most importantly, new doctrine. Finally, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the official position of the United States Army, the U.S. Army Training and Doctrine Command, or the Combined Arms Center. I'm Lieutenant Colonel Nikki Dean, and this has been Breaking Doctrines, Foxhole Fundamentals. <laughs>